On this week's episode of the Starting Eleven podcast, it's the international break, so we'll be shifting our talk to Toronto FC, Toronto FC, and much more Toronto FC. All that and Toronto FC coming right up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Starting Eleven podcast. I'm your host, Justin Borrow, and with me today is... Chengiz Khan. Hello. And did you know that fake facts are only reserved for when the three of us are here? I was going to say, last time it was just the two of us, you didn't do a fake fact. So I, was, mm. I was waiting to see what you were going to no, do with that you one. See, but you see, the reason, the reason I can't do it is because I live for everybody's reaction. And it's not... Well, it's, Peter it's, it's, always it's, has a response that I don't have. Yeah, and that's what I enjoy. You <laughs> don't have the response, so it's just not entertaining. I'm, I'm just... It's really more for Peter at this point than you. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it's just for me to sit there dumbfounded staring at you through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> All you right, know, so you yeah. Know, when, when, I, when I have dark times and dark thoughts, I just think of your gormless expression whenever I say a fake fact. Oh, well, that's so sweet of you, Chengiz. It, it brightens my day. So as you guys might notice, it is just a two-man show today. Uh, Peter is absent, unfortunately, but he will be back next week. Um, so today we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, Toronto FC. Uh, so with the international break happening, uh, there's been very few games in MLS. There's been no games in the Premier League. Uh, and so this is going to give us a chance, just you and I, Chengiz, to kind of sit down and uh, talk about what? our local team. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> A second here. <laughs> you don't want to talk about the international football? I didn't say that. Everybody I don't want to talk about. cares about international <laughs> football, dude. We all live for this shit. Fuck the Premier League and all that rest of the nonsense. We want to know what's happening with Montenegro. Let's go. <laughs> well, right now, England is beating Montenegro 2 1, if you really want to know. <laughs> it's at halftime. No, actually, forget it. I, I, I redact, retract everything I say. Let's just talk about TFC, please. Thank you. Let's talk about Toronto FC. Yeah. So, uh, as you guys heard at the beginning of the episode, uh, brand new Pozzuolo chant, uh, a brand new number 10 here in Toronto. Uh, so, Peter and I actually went down to the airport uh, to greet him uh, on Friday, which was a lot of fun. Uh, there was probably about 50 or 60 uh, Toronto FC fans there from different supporter groups. Um, I really wish you could have come, Chengiz. We kind of missed you down there. I would. I wanted to come, um, be, but unfortunately, due to some r- rather annoying health problems, I could not attend. But it sounds like it was a good time. Did you happen to catch uh, the Toronto Sun the next day by chance? No. No, you didn't. Did you not see who was right next to Pozuelo? Oh, the Toronto (laughs) Sun. Sorry, you said the word sun and I tuned out. Sorry. Of course. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know my my thing with the sun. Anyways, no, I did see that. I saw that the the, the face of a very excited man doing his part to welcome a Spanish immigrant. It was so nice of you to do that. And thank you. Of all the photos (laughs) they could have chosen, they chose the one where my mouth is like wide open. I have No, but that's good. It looks like it looks like you were well. Okay, listen. There ain't no amount of Photoshop can hide your three chins, buddy. Ah, uh, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, you were you were you looked in full voice. The whole it was a fantastic picture. Like everybody was really bouncing, and then he was bouncing as well. It was it looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, you know what? Um, so you know, getting down there and, and waiting three hours for him to come 
off the plane, which I mean, I guess with immigration and stuff makes sense, but we weren't expecting to take that long. He officially landed uh, from Madrid at 5.02, uh, didn't end up coming out of the uh, the arrival gate until about 6.50, uh, 6.55. Wow. Yeah, we were out of there by about 7.10. Um, so it, it was a long wait, but uh, the fans were all excited. You know, there was huge banners. Um, people in the airport thought we were protesting, which was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> every five minutes. signs uh, up and everything? Every five. Oh, yeah. There was there was big banners, right, that said, uh, you know, welcome uh, maestro. Did you have people Spanish. come up to you and say, yeah, like, pe- yo, what's people going on? kept coming up to us. Uh, I have a funny story for you, actually. People kept coming up to us and asking us, you know, what are you guys protesting? And <laughs> we're not protesting anything. <laughs> we're protesting um, the fact that you don't know what's happening. So there's there's a Starbucks uh, in the uh, arrival of uh, the international arrival terminal and uh, terminal one at Pearson. Mm. And Peter and I were standing just in front of the the bar where you like put your sugar in your your stir straws and stuff. And uh, there was one of the guys from the supporter group standing behind me. He was making a coffee and some some little short guy in a suit, you know, comes running up to him. Hi, do you work for Toronto FC? The guy's like, no. <laughs> Are you part of the team? Are you a player? No. What are you doing here? We're here to greet a player. We're fans. So you don't work for the team? <laughs> no. <laughs> cool. Gives him a fist bump and just walks away. And I, was, I turned around. I looked at the guy. I was like, so uh, you work for the team? <laughs> He's like, I could if I wanted to. <laughs> he just walked away. But it was, uh, no, it was good times. Though. There was a lot of people, uh, you know, coming over. And, and, and it kind of grew. Like, there was people who were just in the airport who saw what we were doing and decided to kind of come over and, and join in on the, uh, the pandemonium, I guess you could say. Um, but you know what? The fans were all in full voice. And uh, what, what else do you do when you're trying to kill three hours waiting for somebody? But uh, you sing. And yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and he's looked really happy. I mean, he looked tired coming when he finally came out. He looked pretty exhausted, but he he looked happy to, to see people greeting him. And, you know, we've we've talked uh, before on this podcast about, you know, him coming and, and what what he brings and how, you know, he's not really that well known. We didn't really know who he was. Um, but you know what? We're happy that he chose us. We're happy that he's here. Um, you know, he's taking on the number 10, which was Giovinco's number. Um, and so, you know, it's, those are big shoes to fill and, and we hope that he can do it. Um, and you know, I, I liked what he said. He said, uh, you know, he's going to do his talking on the pitch and he doesn't want to say what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. You know, he wants to, you know, let it, let it show. And that, that's what I like to see. I want to see a player who's not all talk, uh, right. but can actually perform. Now, you know, this this must have been a nice thing for, for Pozzuolo too, because you look at his career so far. He grew up in uh, Betis, Real Betis. Then he moves to Swansea City. Very unlikely to get any kind of reception there. No disrespect to Swansea City, but like <laughs> they have a recurring like sort of, um, what's the, what's the, what's the word? Assembly line? No, sorry. They have a revolving door. They have a revolving door of unknown atta- Spanish attackers coming through, right? Yeah. So they're, they're unlikely to be excited for somebody, yet another somebody coming from this, uh, mid-table, la, mid-table La Liga into Swansea. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. Very cool. Let's see what you can do. That didn't really go to plan. He only made 11 league appearances. Then he goes to Genk. So he goes to Rio Vallecano. Again, unlikely to be a lot of fanfare. Sorry, he only made 22 league appearances at Swansea. He made 11 league appearances at Raya Vallecano. Then he goes to Gank, where he made 100 league appearances for them. And then he's come to Toronto FC. At no one point during any of those those switches, those the, the transfers from A to B, was he likely to have had the reception that he got today? 
Like I, th- I think, you know, that that's a long journey to go from uh, Belgium to uh, Toronto, especially with the, with the whole month long saga and with all the transfer negotiations and you know people saying this in the media, people saying that in the media to to, to come off the plane, land in Toronto, and that be the first thing you see. That's got to feel good. And it's got to make him feel like this was worth it. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you know, Peter and I were talking as well when we were down there. And uh, the way that he left Gank, um, you know, clearly the fans there weren't happy, which, you know, hey, that's their right. You know, I understand Like he was your captain. You guys are, you know, vying for a championship. And, and this guy decides to up and leave and threatens yeah. to sue your team to get out. I understand the animosity. But I mean, like they hung an effigy of him in the stadium. They had him get run over by a massive train. Like just, you know. That kind of, that kind of, I don't like that kind of shit. Like that's no, and but but like we the have violent to, imagery is just ha- you know we have to remember that that's only a small section of the gang fans. I, I think the vast majority were happy for him that he's uh, got a new opportunity and and you know sad to see him leave. No, no, you're right. And then, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, you know, throwing all gang fans in the same sort of um, box. But I'm just saying, like, you know, to see that when you're leaving, you know, he went to Madrid to see his family for a bit because he has a sick grandfather. Yeah. Um, you know, we we were we basically said he chose us. He could have went to, you know, he had offers in Saudi Arabia, but instead he chose to come to us. And so we wanted to kind of give him that welcome. We want to say, look, we're grateful that you chose us, we're going to give it, you know, we're going to be just as loud for you in the stands and, and greet you at the airport. And, and it was nice, you know, he came over and he shook all of our hands. He made sure to shake everyone's hand and, and, you know, take a quick second to say hello. And, and, you know, that, that was nice as well. Like you can really feel that connection. Like, you know, he, he was grateful that we were there and that we were, you know, I I would have, I would have, I really would have liked to have been there. If only just to see all these like small, these, these, uh, these Canadians attempting to speak broken Spanish to him. Like, <laughs> uh, how, how much I, of that was going on? I oh, everybody except for me because I couldn't say. You I can't even say his name right, right now. <laughs> no, I can't. I know. I uh, why don't you do, why don't you give it a go? Alejandro Pazuelo. Oh, <laughs> oh, I've been I've been practicing. Pazuelo, Pazuelo. Although, although I kept getting told there's no p, there's no t. It's not Pazuelo. Yeah, it's you do that. Pazuelo. Oh, yeah, I do. It's because I have that pop. I have that pop in yeah, my, it's my more, voice, Yeah, it's more right? like a so, D. It's like Pozzuolo. Yeah, Pozzuolo. If anything, but it's like a silent D, so you met your mouth. Anyways, we're not going to go into linguistics. <laughs> Let's get into the linguistics of it. Come on, yeah. break it down for me, Chengis. Um, so, <laughs> did you know if you say Pozzuolo three times correctly, you grow a beard that is an embarrassment that the, to the one that you have right now? <laughs> I think my beard's pretty good right now. No. No, you don't like it? All no. right, I'll take it out for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's how I don't get ID'd at the LCBO. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's what it's for. Okay. Um, but, but uh, you know, uh, so Pozzuolo's here now. Uh, he he went to his first Raptors game yesterday. Uh, today he had his press conference uh, just a couple hours ago, actually, with uh, Bill Manning, Ali Curtis, and Greg Vanny. Uh, and there was a little bit of insight there, actually, which, which I do want to talk about quickly mm. uh, as we transfer kind of over into the team in general. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is uh, something that Bill Manning said. Um, so they had asked him regarding the whole Gregory Vanderweel situation um, and the Agarakeche situation. They said, is your vetting process different now um, because of the sort of the the, the dumpster fire that was those two players? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he said was last year, their objective was to go out and get players that were going to make us even better than we were in 2017. Um, and they didn't really look at attitude 
and um, like locker room personalities. Uh, and what they ended up getting was uh, apparently a locker room cancer in Gregory Vanderweel. Uh, that's sort of what the report was. Uh, and somebody who just couldn't seem to fit into uh, the MLS system uh, in Agra. Which Keche. happens. Which it happens. does happen. And so what he said was that their vetting process has changed in the sense that locker room personality now comes above uh, anything else. Um, and every, you know, and obviously they want they want quality footballers, but they need somebody who's going to fit into the team system and play as a team player. Um, and so that was kind of interesting to, to see how they, they kind of admitted to the fact that, look, we weren't really looking for that kind of um, those kind of things when we were looking at players last year. And it kind of came back to bite us in the ass. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's worked out quite well for all parties involved. Terminating his contract was the right move if we can secure a transfer for him. And with all the reports and the history of Van der Weel being a disruptive presence, it has caught up to him. And I know we were sort of, we were we were a little critical on this podcast uh, earlier. We were thinking maybe it's that Vanny doesn't know how to control his players. But honestly, you don't just make up the fact that he's, th- through a punch yeah you know like that that's that's pretty like that's you don't just do that or you don't make it up like that's tantamount to uh to libel or slander slander sorry slander is the right one libel is printed because if 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 a player was accused of throwing a punch and he didn't then he could sue him for defamation and all the rest of it but i wanted to point something out to you about van der wheel um first club ajax Second club, PSG. Third club, Fenerbahce. Fourth club, Cagliari. Fifth club, TFC. And I don't want to be that guy, especially considering that TFC is my team, but what a fall from grace. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, starting right it- back for PSG and Ajax to what? I mean, he was to being 20- released. He was in the 2010 World Cup final with the Netherlands as well. Jesus, like what? Like something else is going on with that that boy. And honestly, I'm glad he's gone. Mostly for the for the um, for the for the for the locker room mentality and and for the squad unity purposes. But also, a big part of me is happy that we will no longer see a fucking right back wear number nine. <laughs> what the shit was that? <laughs> I thought the same thing when I saw that when he, I saw the number that he chose. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and, then, and it's like, and it's like at some point he was well at the beginning of the last season he was asked to fill in centre back, and seeing a centre back wear number nine, <laughs> like you're taking the piss. Yeah, and you know it's tough because I liked Vanderweel. I liked him as a player. Um, I I know that there's obviously been uh, there's there's been words spoken about him at Fenerbahce as being a disruptive um, figure. You know, Toronto FC Michael Bradley said that there was someone in the locker room who was disruptive, and all signs were kind of pointing to Vanderweel. Um, but it just you know I I personally liked him as a player. I thought that you know he's a he's a good defender. Uh, and I and I feel like that was what Toronto FC needed. Yeah, and, no, he you was, know, bringing he was in Simon and stuff. Was. We were hoping is going to um, kind of fix that hole or fill that hole of him being gone. Uh, but I just I don't see it yet, and we're going to get to that a little bit later on. So I do still worry because I feel like you know the quality we had in Vanderweel um, was good. It's just a matter now of you know I wish that he had the personality to go with his quality for sure. And I, but I think with Simon we have to kind of. It's, it's hard to judge him because he was with the impact for so long. And we do do have a history of putting quite a few past the impact. So our, our perception of Simon as a centre-back is 
deeply, deeply biased and skewed. So for and me, he, what been, so he already starts with negative points for wearing an impact jersey in the first place, <laughs> but that's a different story. Yeah, but yeah, okay. So you know, going into this, you, you have to, you kind of have to view him as like a, like a brand new signing, which obviously he's not. He's he's on the wrong side of thirty with regards to his playing days, but. Yeah, like on the face of it, I mean, his two games, he's been largely solid, you have to say. He hasn't been too bad. He he has um, a lot better than he was uh, in Champions League, um, which, I mean, was a different entity entity on its own because of just sort of the squad that we had and, and mm-hmm. coming off of last season. And, you know, that's gone and behind us now and, and put into the bin of history. Um, yeah. But, no, for, for, you know, we'll get to this, obviously, later on when we talk about, you know, our... Um, who's impressed us so far, et cetera. Mm. But uh, yeah, just with Simon, like I just want to see uh, a little bit more stability. Like I, every time he's near the ball, I'm nervous that he's going to, you know, make a bad play that's going to give up the ball, which, you know, it's, it seems that every game there seems to be that one that, that leads to a scoring chance or a goal. Uh, there's only been two games so far, but in the four that I've seen him play, um, that seems to be the case. And so it, you know, it does leave a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth, but yeah. there's still lots of football to be played. Um, and so, you know, only time will tell. So we'll, we'll get to that. But what I want to talk about right now is, so, you know, Pozzuolo's here, uh, Vanderweel's gone, uh, which we just kind of talked about. So where do you see Pozzuolo fitting in? Um, so, you know, Vanny had said in the press conference that he really wants to kind of uh, have him and Altador be like a dynamic duo, kind of like how they had... Um, Giovinco and Altador, uh, but it's going to be more so, you know, Pozzuolo um, feeding Altador. Um, so I, I think he's going to like, it's kind of hard because when you look at the formations that Vanny's played, um, where do you see Pozzuolo fitting in to, um, to this team and what's the best formation to play with him? See, the problem is, is he's a 10. And I know this from my very, very long, arduous hours on YouTube, watching his, uh, <laughs> watching badly, d- bad dubstep videos with him doing crazy things. Um, <laughs> he is a 10 and it would be a disservice to play him as anything other than 10 because you've got, you've got, you know, you've got Delgado, you've got Bradley, you've got a few players, Osorio even, who play that number eight role quite well. I think I think playing him at eight would be a waste of his talents and vision and his, his ability to score with both feet. Vanny did say he's going to play him behind Altador or get him playing off the striker. So we're going to have a big man, little man situation. I think with regards to formation, the one that's making the most sense in my mind is either 4-4-1-1 or a 4-3-3 attack with... Uh, with Pozzuolo sort of as as the tip of the three spear, and then on the wings, it's it's going to be an interesting interesting choice. Um, I'm not quite sure who plays left wing, right wing at this point in the season, but those two formations would be the would make the most sense to get uh, Pozzuolo playing with Altator for me. The other option is the four four two diamond because then you have Altador, you have Akinola. Uh, who I think might very well be a starter. And then you play Pozzuolo in behind them, but then Jordan Hamilton doesn't get on the pitch, which is a, is a problem because he's in good form. So it is going to be interesting. We do have a lot of different options. The problem is for me right now, looking at the squad, I don't know who to pick. It's too early in the season to, to, to make a judgment call on whether any of our previous sort of bench material are now starting 11 material because we lost Vasquez, we lost Giovinco. So those spots were taken up are now being taken up by people who were previously on the bench. 
So we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's kind of a good thing that, you know, we're two games into the season now and we have to actually question, you know, who we're going to be putting on the pitch because it seemed before the season started that, you know, we were, we wanted, there were certain players that we didn't even want to go near the pitch. Um, but now, mm-hmm. like, the, we kind of are able to sit here and, and have this bit of a conundrum. Um, it, it's a good thing because it shows that, you know, some of the players who we were... Um, cautious about uh the beginning of the year are you know stepping up so far two games in uh and you know uh, Akinola and Hamilton have have both produced um they've both scored goals um you know they've looked good up top uh, I, I I don't think that Hamilton is starting material um I think if I had to choose between Hamilton and Akinola uh, I would choose Akinola right now um just because, you know, I think he's faster. Uh, he's shown he has some of that create, um, creativity that we saw, like, in a player like Javinko. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he he just seems to be able to find space. He can pull players off, as we saw with that Eltador goal. He can, you know, pull players away and, and, and open up that space. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how uh, they're going to line up. And uh, this is where we're going to see the genius that is Greg Vanny, um, you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, Asterix. If Big Peter asterisk was, there. If Peter was here, he would smack me in the mouth for saying that because yeah. as we all He's know, already Peter smacking is, you in the mouth. Greg yeah, Vanny is number one fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, no, uh so I, I think that this is where we're gonna really see um, you know, what Vanny's made of and, and what he's gonna pull together. And and I'm I'm really excited for Friday night to get down to BMO Field and 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 you know, greet Pozzuolo on the pitch and yeah. and see how he uh, fits in with the team where this is when it's time to Do you think put up or shut up. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to bring him off the bench to not only give him some rest, but, you know, to give him the ovation that he, you know, rightly deserves. He or if had a, just he's, gonna... he's had a long season. I mean, I think... That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's had a long season, and I'm sure the journey and the, the whole charade to get here was was, was another thing. Um, yeah, I think the, the, for me, if, if it were me, I'd, I'd definitely keep him on the bench and bring him on. That way he gets a special reception from the fans. Uh, you can make a big deal out of it. But he needs time to learn the system for footballing reasons. It doesn't make any sense to start him. Like, this is not a Ibrahimovic-type situation. This is a very much a, you know, it's a Pozzuolo situation. <laughs> it's its its own thing. You don't, you I don't think just... I would run the same formation that they played um, against New England Revolution. I would take Hamilton off, replace him with Eltador. I would run okay. Eltador with Akinola. Um, and then re- keep the remain the the rest of the um, the squad the same, and then bring Pozzuolo off the bench. Um, you know, I'm thinking probably I wouldn't wait till the 60th minute or 70th minute. I think I'd probably bring him off the bench earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like if you're gonna do it in the first half, like 38th minute, or if you go into the second half, like 50th minute. Like remind me, what's the, the what was the formation against uh, New England? Um, so they had it was Mavinga. Uh, you know what? Actually, let me just pull it up. So I'm not. It was four for no. two with uh, Chapman was, yeah. and De Leon on the wings. See, yeah. that doesn't work if you have uh, Pozzuolo, right? You you need to create a position in the hole there. Now it could work. You could play four four one one, which is similar to four four two, except yeah. instead of Akinola alongside Altidore. So it was um, Aro, Moore, Mavinga, and Moro. But mm-hmm. Aro and Moro kind of played more of an attacking wingback role yeah, where yeah. they were uh, getting forward. And then in the mid, you had De Leon. Bradley, Osorio, and Chapman, uh, who, um, yeah, and then you had Hamilton and Akinola. Um, right. And Chapman would drop back. So basically, what would happen is Aro and Moro would push up. 
Right, um, so De-, De Leon and Chapman kind of tucked in a little bit to give them that space. Bradley, to I would say Bradley and Chapman tucked in more because De Leon kind of did that like holding midfielder role with Osorio, and then you mm-hmm. had Bradley and Chapman stepping back to um, fill in the fill in the the the, the wing back spots. Right. Um, but you know it worked. So I feel like if you were to run the same formation, but uh, you replace Hamilton with Eltador, and then you bring in, uh, you take, you I would take Chapman off again. Um, you know, for Simon to to bring if, if we're winning, um, to you know bring in some more defensive structure, and then I would probably take off Delion and bring in uh, Pozzuolo, and see how he fits in to that. So it's almost so it's there. almost like you're you're talking about a three five two formation there. Yeah, with with Morrow and Oro as, as sort of the wing backs of the team. Yeah, yeah, it could work. I think I think that's definitely been a bright spot for Toronto FC so far. Is is the use of Morrow and Oro as <laughs> Morrow and Oro? We're going to get that. <laughs> that's a new tongue twister, isn't it? Um, Morrow and Oro coming up. They're almost playing like Premier League style fullbacks. Like yeah, they're, just, and they're I was bombing forward and tracking back. And I was saying to you before we started recording that uh, Morrow is showing signs of his 2016, 2017 self when he was yeah. in top form, which took us to you know two he's playing back-to-back with, MLS Cup finals. He, so he's playing with confidence and he's not playing within himself, which is good because he does have a surprising amount of technical ability on the ball. He's pacey. He has a good cross on him. It doesn't come out very often, but when it does. It's quite good, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 personally quite liking this this style of play. I don't think MLS defenders generally are well equipped to handle it, because it's not a style that we've seen in the MLS. And MLS defenders already are the wrong side of bad as it is <laughs> right now. So it it's a very attacking mindset, and I think it, it could really work. I think we have the personnel to deal with it. But that said. Um, yeah, four four two. I don't think is is the way for Potswalo at all. I think we need to, like you said, like take one of Chapman or Dillion off for him. Yes, and then have him sort of run the middle there with Bradley and Osorio. Would you take um, off if it came to it? Would you take off Akinola and put on uh, Potswalo? So then you would have Altador and Potswalo up top. Not up top, but just like so, Pozzuolo would drop. So back then, it would, it would, if he would drop back, so you'd have yeah. him kind of just behind Josie. So yes. you'd have almost like a one-one situation. Yes, there. I mean, yeah, that would that would work as well. I mean, it would depend on sort of how the game is going as well. When you bring him mm-hmm. in, are they losing? Are they winning? Um, because if that's the case, then you have to also think about um, defending your your lead or you know bombing forward to to get that the the goal right. So. And based on the way that New York City's played the last three games, um, they've drawn all three games. So it's it seems like defensively they're a hard team to break down. Um, and so, you know, we have to keep that in mind as well. But this, gonna- this, is, this is exactly why I'm saying that. It's because uh, what you def- definitely see with some of the Premier League sides is that when you have those two attacking fullbacks, width becomes a huge issue for the defensive teams. And then if you bring in, like, if Akinola and Altidore, they're both target men, right? Although Akinola is a lot more mobile than Altador. Um, so you take Akinola off, you bring Pozzuolo on, suddenly the wide men have somebody to, to target, to, to kind of, um, they, they, stretch, they stretch the defense, then they pull it back to Pozzuolo who can release that final ball, typically to Altador. It might even be an Osorio through ball, and I know Peter's already smacking me for suggesting that because he doesn't <laughs> like Osorio. But um, he is a box-to-box player and he has that energy to make that kind of run. So... Yeah, I mean, it would make more sense to have Pozzuolo with the with the attacking fullbacks to kind of target him with his crosses and as a pullback option, uh, rather than having two uh, in in the four four two situation. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I mean, we're gonna see what happens and and Friday nights 
could not come fast enough and i can't <laughs> wait to get down there and you know maybe you'll be able to grab some tickets as well and you can come down and join us oh that'd be amazing <laughs> and also it would such be such beautiful weather this week yes i know nice. i was on my i was on my balcony today and it was just it was glorious the sun is shining by the way uh, how, so, you, how know, you know this is a canadian podcast when we're talking about the weather above you know just randomly. I'm just going to point out right now for those listening, it's four degrees. <laughs> and to me, that is stand on my balcony weather. So <laughs> I saw somebody with one layer on. Yeah, but it doesn't it's feel magical. like four degrees. It's really quickly on a, a quick little weather tangent here. <laughs> I, I find it hilarious because when we get to the end of summer, <laughs> right? So when you get to the end of summer, when it's been really hot, four degrees or like in the like early august or late august like mornings like when it gets it to like four or five degrees chilly. it feels like it's like cold like the middle of mm-hmm. winter mm-hmm. but then even 10 degrees sometimes you're like ooh. but then mm-hmm. you know at the end of winter when we get into spring you feel four degrees and you're like oh my god i'm wearing shorts today i'm pulling out the golf shirts like life is good it's just weird how our bodies because we've been sitting in minus 15 degree weather for the last uh you know five months because yeah such is canada um it's nice to kind of be able to you know see four degrees and and go on your balcony and look at that the low tonight is minus six so we go right back into it so well there you go <laughs> but it, more than anything i'm just happy the sun's out and i'm happy that we're gonna see if the weather holds i'm happy we're gonna see sun on what is arguably one of the best pitches in the mls it is BMO, yeah BMO field. one of the and best it's, it's, one of the best stadiums in the mls bmo field is a fortress i mean i think that uh, fan wise i think that toronto has one of the best um i mean obviously compared to, to places like seattle cincinnati and atlanta it's it's tough to compare because those stadiums hold you know they're football stadiums like right. american football they hold seventy thousand people mm. and they have a great fan base don't get me wrong um, but I feel and like, those, you know, those cities don't exactly, uh, you know, worship the ground that hockey players walk on either. So, no. and this is a hockey city. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got, and that's the thing is that the fan base kind of gets split between you got the Raptors, you got the Leafs, you got TFC. Um, nobody counts the Argos, but, um, <laughs> but you know what we were, I was talking at the airport with somebody and we, and one of the guys, and we were, we were just kind of talking about, um, to put it in, into perspective, and I think we've mentioned this before. So where the Leafs play, the Scotiabank Arena, it holds about 18,500. Mm. So on a sold-out night, every single seat filled, there's 18,500. Last week down at BMO against New England, there was 25,000 in attendance in a stadium that holds like just over 30. So when you think about it, more people attended the TFC game last week than a sold-out Leaf game. Mm. And so like it's... Obviously, don't be wrong. I'm not saying that TFC is a bigger fan base than the Leafs in Toronto. <laughs> Obviously not. But I'm just saying that, like, when you think about it, 25,000 people are going to the game. That's the a really big good. number for Canada. Um, yeah. I mean, when you compare it to Vancouver, you you compare it to Montreal. I mean, it's 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 a huge number. That said, I do have to say that the 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 etiquette around BMO Field is not quite there yet. It's not quite that of a fully tuned in understanding oh. football savvy crowd oh. oh tell me more about etiquette there Cengiz because oh, I took you to a few games no. last year and you were fuming I was <laughs> fuming um how do I make this how do I tell the story without coming off like a complete prick you want me to tell it since I don't have an English accent so I won't sound like a prick <laughs> I mean no because no you tell I'll, I'll, because I'll own, you, you were the I person that was, you were the guest you were the guest with me and, and yeah it was, I, I your reaction was hilarious see I'm so glad somebody. you found it hilarious because I felt ashamed like I was a bad guest or whatnot anyways 
going into the story. So, um, who was it that we played against? I can't remember. It remember? was against Chicago. It was against Chicago, right? And now I remember because there was this German contingent on the back left of us who kept saying, why is Schweinsteiger playing in the middle? You're supposed to be on the wing. And it's like, buddy, this isn't the 2006 World Cup anymore. He's old. He's gray. He there has no one, legs. There was that one old guy. Schweine. And he would say it every 10 <laughs> seconds when he's just like walking because like we were in their half all the time. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah, so what happened was, I think it was 61st or 62nd minute, and we were sat next to, we were sat on the aisle, so right where people come up and down on the stairs, and in Toronto FC games, especially on your, if you're in the upper section of it, uh, it's, 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 that's where sort of the, the, the cheaper seats are, that's where the more casual fans go, it's not near the support section at all, really, um, and we were sort of in and about the corner flag um was a section two 210 210 that's right it's um, above my section now because right gotcha. now i'm yeah i think it's a more it's a lot more civilized down below but up there it's it's a bit it's a bit interesting so anyway so so 65 60 second minute and uh play was on the far side of the field i was trying to see what's going on but there was this uh, people moving up and down all game i don't really care i tune that out now um Although a big part of me says, you know, the game's in play. Why are you going up and down? You know, get your drinks at halftime, get your food at halftime, and then come in and sit down and watch the game. Because if anybody did that at the Cop or Liverpool or any stadium in England for that matter, you would get smacked upside the head. So anyway, so there was an, uh, an older couple uh, with their children, <laughs> middle, their, their mid-30s children. Uh, you know, they, they come up, they stop, they look across, and it looks like they've forgotten where they've sat. And I was like, okay, fine, that, that happens. You know, you know, when when people sat down all in the row, it can be hard to spot the gaps. And if you, this is your first time, sure, lots of reasons as to why you might forget where you're sitting. So they sat there and they look at the tickets, then look up, look at the tickets, look up, and then they start having a conversation about what what's going on. And at this point now, they've been blocking my view for the better part of 45 seconds. And this is when I was like... Um, excuse me do you mind sitting down can you can you move um and and that's uh yes yeah, we're just trying to find our, our seats just give us a second and i said a second that's when i lost it uh it's like a second you've been blocking our view for a minute nearly a minute now like you should know where you're sitting this is unacceptable it's a 60 second minute there's a game going on we're trying to watch we paid money for these tickets can you please move and said, that was when Chenge started World War Three in Section Two Ten. What, what did the guy? What did the guy say to you? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Why, 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 why don't you, don't you, just, why don't you sh- shut your yap there, buddy? All right. And he said it in the most Canadian way, and I was sort of like charmed by it because he was a good-looking dude. I would have kissed him, but um, he almost kissed my knuckles <laughs> before that. Before uh, that, before some homoeroticism happened, uh, he the the old couple fired back. It's like, well, we needed a drink. As I said, it's the sixty-second minute. The time for that was a half time. Sit down. And I and said, sit was, down to them. That it's true. Uh, I thought we were getting no fight. I was. T- I told Chengis to get ready. I had my sleeves rolled up. If anybody here actually knows me, I'm the last person who'd ever fight. So see, I was never <laughs> gonna get. I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna get up and fight an an old couple. Um, partially because I'd probably lose. I'm very skinny. Uh, but <laughs> but also uh, you just don't do that. Anyways, getting back on point. 
they they said, yeah, well, we needed to drink. So then, then they started moving down their aisle. They suddenly magically found their seat after I shouted at them. So uh, for and, anybody and, anybody out there that has tickets in 210, tell me, you know, email us, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Tell us if you guys agree with us. All right. Honking horns. Uh, tell me if you agree with us. Um, so I had seconds. I had tickets up in 210. My biggest complaint is that first and foremost, you had people showing up 30th minute, 35th minute. Right. So we were on the aisle. So constantly people coming up the stairs. Then you get halftime. You have a slew of people going down to get their drinks and whatever the fuck else they want to get. And then they all start come streaming back up like 10 minutes into the second half. And so literally up until like the 75th, 76th minute, you have people streaming past you on the stairs. And then you have all those people who think it's a fire drill decide to go home 15 minutes early, you know, let's beat traffic. Um, and so they come streaming down. And so literally for the entire 90 minutes, you just have a slew of people on the stairs. It drives me nuts. Football etiquette, people sit your ass down, watch the goddamn game or don't come. And I have to point out, this happens every single game that we went, right? This is not just because it was Toronto no. versus a very below par Chicago. No. It was, it's every, <laughs> every game. game. It, like went, even during an impact game, it would happen. Yeah. And so I, uh, I've actually changed my tickets. I'm now down in 110, um, which is amazing uh, because there's just so much more etiquette down there. You don't have these issues um, you're right next to the supporter section. Uh, and it's just, I've been there now for four games, the, or three games, I guess, Champions League, and then the two home games. And it, no, two games. <laughs> one Champions League, one home game. <laughs> it's just made a world of a difference <laughs> to sit there and think about how many games I've been there. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and been I've been going to games now for the last few years. And, and it just, it, it really can sour your mood because you spend half your time, you know, telling people to sit the hell down and you don't even get to watch the game. And, you know, so it's, it's super frustrating. I just but, like, um, for the most part, people do move quite quickly on, on, on the, on the aisles, but the fact that they move at all just drives me up the wall it's it's not something that should be acceptable it's not something that should be normalized it's not and and, and because people here in canada they're lovely they're nice people but they're also too polite when but things like this that, aren't acceptable you know what go to a leaf game and try standing up in the aisle while the game is going on you will get told to sit down so fast yeah i no, felt like i was the only i felt like i was a crazy person for, for yelling at these people who were blocking everybody's view like I, I just I felt, but thankfully some people came up after afterwards and said thank you. I would have said the exact same thing. Like there needs to be, I don't know if there needs to be like some sort of sign around, like sit down. Maybe Toronto FC could just pay ushers to stand at the stairs. Like I've told them five hundred times every game last year. I complained about look you need ushers because what happens is people don't know where their seats are so what do yeah. they do they stand in the stairs and look at their ticket and go hmm, where am i and half yeah. the time they go uh where's 209 and i'm like yeah you're in the wrong section man and i think, I think another way. i think another problem is because those tickets generally tend to be a little bit on the cheaper side uh with respect to toronto sports events um people don't take it seriously people just yeah. kind of treat it very casually whereas you know there are very typically cheap seats in football stadiums are taken up by hardcore fans yeah. Because for whatever reason, they, you know, the supporter sections are all sold out, so they get the next best thing. And those seats give a really good view of the whole stadium. They, but also it's also very good for audio purposes as well. You get the full audio sensation of the supporter section because you're not that far away from it. Um, but there, on the flip side, there are people who just say, oh, let's just go to Toronto FC game today. Like, that could be fun. Yeah. Like, it's just but- <laughs> I, it's so many, so many issues. I don't want to... 
sound like a cranky old bastard because I know this how this you're sounds. Not. I know how this <laughs> sounds to most people. Like you know, shut up. You're at the game, whatever. But the thing is, you should have standards, and you don't be, be a football link sedina. You don't advance your own culture around something you like without having standards. Mm-hmm. You you know, people want to say this is a footballing city, but when, what happens in 210 every game and in 211 and all the other sections where this is a problem, if this happens every game, there is no culture. There is no etiquette. There are no rules. We can't mm-hmm. act like savages and then say we're a good footballing city like this. Like, come on. No, you're right. You're right, 100%. And you know what, man? Uh, let's get this bus a little bit back on track here. Uh, but I'm glad that we've <laughs> had this conversation. We took a long detour away from the we road did, that we started on. But, but there I hope, we go. But I hope that you keep, uh, I hope you keep a lot of this in because it's it's good stuff. And I feel like, you know, since this pod is about Toronto FC, I think talking about the culture in the stadium is a, is a, is a good thing to talk about. You know, it's not always just about tactics and players, but, you know, as fans to talk about what it's like, the fan culture, I think that's really vital. So I hope that we can keep this in. Yeah, But let's now jump to talking about who's impressed us so far and who mm. do we think is, needs to step up. So, look, the team itself has only played four games, right? We've had our uh, two Champions League matches. Uh, we had two league matches so far. So I know that it's it's hard to get a full reading, but just in what we've seen, um, who has impressed you so far and who do you think needs to step up? So for me, the by far and away, the most impressive player is Oro. Although Akinola is tied. I know Akinola is a big, he's your big favorite. But for me, Oro, uh, he was good in flashes last year. Um, He had injury problems. But whenever I did see him, I was impressed. And I was really kind of confused as to why he wasn't getting more praise from from all sections of the fan base. I think a lot of focus was on general uh, underperformance, which I totally understand. And that should have been the focus. But Oro has been silently very, very good. when I, when I watch him play, I think that's a good football player. That's a good football player. Because too often I look at MLS teams and I look at some of our players as well and I just think, boy, how did you get on the pitch? You know, speaking of which, Chris Mavinga. That's what <laughs> I see about him constantly. That's why I think about him constantly. I see good flashes in Chris Mavinga. I think he makes some excellent ex- interceptions. I think he's, his positional play is good more often than bad. But if we're praising interceptions, that's like defensive duties 101. Like, we should not be praising the bare minimum. How? What does it say about our defense that we are celebrating interceptions from Chris Mavinga? Like, I get, okay, fine. Like, that might be, not be fair to Chris Mavinga a little bit because he does make some very crucial ones. And those are the ones we should be, you know, very, very loud about. But... You know, sometimes basic stuff happens and he fucks it up. Like, he'll get turned really cheaply. Or somebody will play a pass forward and he'll just get sucked into their run and and he'll leave his his centre-back partner exposed. I feel like he could be better. He's not old. He's 27. I wouldn't say he's peaked at all. He can learn. I just don't think that that whoever's pairing with him, in centre-back or in left-back, wherever he plays on the day... I don't think anybody who's play, playing with him can play to their strengths because they have to cover for his for his uh, for his failings too often. Yeah, I just I feel like Mavinga could do a lot better. I think he could be a lot more consistent. I think he could be our best defender if he gets his head in the game. I mean, I, I disagree with you a little bit. I, I think that he's probably one of Toronto's best defenders that they have. Uh, I think he makes not only but that's an indictment on Toronto's but- FC's defense, though. Like, if he's our best defender and our defense is still shit, which which it is, although it's better than relative to the rest of the MLS, 
Like, this is what I mean when I say we have to have standards. Like, just because he's our best defender does not mean he's he should be exempt from criticism. No, no, and I'm not saying that at all. I, I think that, you know, every player on the pitch uh, is worthy of criticism you know i just personally think that you know he i think he does a lot more good than he does bad but i do Mm. see what you mean that he does get caught a lot um you know he's he's beat to the ball a lot of the times and that's why he has to make some of these interceptions or or these big tackles is because he was beat to the ball and so he um you know he has to kind of kind of recover the thing is that he recovers so well sometimes that it it looks good um Mm. that you kind of almost forget about the fact that he was beaten to the ball right those six times because every time he was he slid in and and got the ball through the player's legs in the box um you know, and then I find that what ends up happening, and we saw against the Revolution, is you know he he makes these great tackles, he goes in, he gets the ball, um, but then there's always that one time where he misses and catches the player in the leg, mm. draws a penalty, um, and next thing you know, Toronto's down a goal. And drew that and so you know against New England too. He did, yeah, and that, that's what happened. You know, he the the player got by him. He it was, I mean. It was a beautiful control on New England's part. Sure, um, but, but you know, stupid he had, challenge. Exactly. But then he, you know, he didn't have to make it. The guy was wide. He didn't really have anybody in the middle. He could pull it back to, you know, right. he could have just kind of shielded him out. Um, but instead, he decided to go in for the big tackle and missed it. So I do agree with you um, in some aspects, but I do think that he is a, a quality defender. And I, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of good out of him this year. And I think we're going to have to if we're going to be a contending team. Um so uh, let's quickly talk. Uh, so for me, uh, Akinola is the guy that I have put, mm-hmm. who's impressed me so far. He's young. He's fast. Um, he's only technical. 19. He's technical. He's an academy player. But you know what? I'm starting to see some um, some creativity in him that uh, is reminding me a little bit of Javinko. Uh, that goal he scored last week. Oh my God! Beautiful. He he splits the def- he he keeps control of the ball, splits the two defenders right through them through the middle, and then just the way that he he curves it with his right foot into the bottom right corner there, and just it it was it was um it was textbook Giovinco, very uh, natural, and exactly it was natural. He 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 made it look easy, um you know, and he's. The Eltador goal as well, you know, I mean, mind you, Eltador kind of directed him, but, you know, for him to pull the defender to him uh, near post so that Eltador was wide open, far post to tap it in, you know, that's that's great. Um, mm-hmm. That's great vision by a player. Uh, and for someone that young to kind of already have that vision and, and step up and and to be doing that, you know, it was his first MLS start. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I know that. But I, so far what I've seen, I like and I, I yeah, want to see songs. more of it. And, and I, I want to see how he does. And I hope he gets more chances to start. And even if he comes off the bench, I, I think he's um, he's somebody that we can we can look to for goals when we need them or are for, you know, quality touches. So um, that's somebody who's impressed me so far. Now, the question is, who do you think needs to step up? Oh, I guess you had Mavinga. Yeah, I already said Mavinga. You, yeah. you did both yours. Yeah. All right. So um, for me, stepping up, I have two. Uh, I'm going to kind of touch on both of them quickly. Uh, Simon and Bono. Um, you know, oh god, Bono, shit, yeah, I forgot yeah. about him. Yeah, so Laurent Simon, you know what? Uh, like you said, we have to kind of let him like come into the squad and and let you know we he came from the impact. Oh, every time I say that, I shudder. It's like it's um, like if it's it's like if you suddenly had Jordan Henderson on your team. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, I see your point. 
Yeah. Um, you know, for me, my my thing with with Simon is I just feel like right now um, there's no consistency. It, it's still early. You know, there's time for that to change. But he's looked better the last like the last game, and then the the first game against Philly, second half, he started to look better. But mm. I just felt like the first three games of the like the first three games of the two Champions League, and then the home um, the first game against Philly, he just it seemed like he was. He was kind of rushing things. He he was making strange touches like that that weird bicycle kick clearance that almost led to a goal mm, for Philadelphia. Yeah, he he just was making these these decisions that he didn't have to make. Like he wasn't it's like he's a second. Try, it's like he's trying too hard to win people over. Yes, which I get. I mean, coming from Montreal, you know, you have to kind of work extra hard now because you're going to have that that little sort of hmm, skepticism mm. uh, looked at or thrown at you. But um. You know what? I, I, I like him. Uh, I, I like that he, he came here and, and I'm hoping that he can, you know, help to solidify our, our back line. And, and, you know, only time will tell. Now, Bono. Let's get to Bono here. Oh, I need oh, a drink. Bono. A drink that I can't have because I'm on medication. And it, <laughs> it's it's frustrating because I really like him. And when he came in for Irwin, he won over the entire Toronto FC fan base. You know, he came in, he stepped up, he made some massive saves. Um, you know, that 2017 season, part of the reason that we were so good was the fact that Alex Bono stood on his head. Um, and, you know, he looked great. And he, he had some offers from, I think it was in Belgium, to go play. Uh, he decided to, to sign a big contract here um, and remain. And I kind of feel bad because I don't know if he's going to have another offer to take him overseas again um, because he's just not last season was a complete confidence deflator. See, if, if, you, um, if Bono had taken the offer in Belgium, he would have been crucified because at least there they know what a good goalkeeper looks like. Mm. Like Belgium league might not be the same standard, but they are surrounded by European clubs. They Genk is, for example, Genk does play European football, so they know good players when they see them. Mm-hmm. Here in Toronto, here in the MLS, we don't really have a good idea of what a good MLS goalkeeper is. We don't really know what a good MLS defender is. Like you have Bill Hamid, I think, is is the best example. Then you have uh, give a quick shout out to Zach Steffen because he's also Zach, a, Zach he's Steffen, a yeah. he's a really good. Uh, goalkeeper as well for Columbus sure um, and and we've had we've had flashes you know people you know one or two people come through in the MLS who have been huge talents and have been very very consistent I mean Tim Howard also came through here too but generally speaking like there isn't like there isn't that reputation for producing that kind of talent oh Stefan Stefan Fry has since he left Stefan Fry yes Stefan Fry was also very very good that's true but look the point I'm trying to make here is that Bono had a good season, but he wasn't good last year. Now, granted, no. most of the team wasn't good last year. This year, it was a chance to set things anew. It was a chance to to forget that season, to move forward. And it seems like he's worse than ever before. Yeah, I feel like what happened was last season, his confidence really got deflated. And like you said, you know, the team in general was just bad. It was comically bad last year. And so I feel like, you know, that deflating of confidence is is not it hasn't sort of um reinflated yet and i'm hoping that if we can get some good results under our belt you know the next couple games um so coming up you know you have nycfc um they've been on a, they've they've had three draws in their last uh, the first three games so they're not on you know great form um and then you've got 
You got Chicago, which, you know, that sh- they should get some points out of that game. Uh, then you got a tough game. You got Seattle in Seattle, mm, uh, which is going to be a real hard. contest. Um, and then you have Minnesota at home, you know, Portland, who have not been on a great streak. They got one draw, two losses. Um, they have yet to win. Uh, and then Orlando. So, I mean, up until May, early May, you know, Toronto has a chance to really get some do some damage in the league and, and really solidify themselves in this table. Um, and Bono is going to be a huge part of that. Uh, and so, I mean, this is going to either make or break him. And and if, if he can, you know, pull out some good performances and, and, and reinflate that confidence and rebuild that confidence, then, you know, we, we might be able to, to get him back to 2017 Bono. Um, and I'm hoping that the addition of um, Quentin Westberg will help with that because by adding a little bit of competition to the team, uh, I'm hoping that it'll kind of light a fire under his ass to sort of step up. It feels like since signing his contract, he's kind of just, you know, fizzled out. And I understand that last year wasn't a great year, but, you know, you need to put that behind you. Um, And so, you know, we're going to see what happens. And I I hope that Westberg will get a few chances to step up and and play a couple of these games um, just to kind of, you know, I would put him in against Chicago um, just to see how he does, you know, and and if he, you know, plays well, then you throw him in against Minnesota again. You give you send Bono back to Seattle and you Mm. you throw him against Minnesota. And and if he does well there, um, then you have to really sort of sit down and and compare the two and and see what's happening. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the only reason Bono got the start was because Irwin had that that injury in in middle of 2016. And, you know, Bono stepped up and and was able to sort of win over that position. And so I want to see what Westberg's made of. But I also want to see Bono do well. Like, I like him as a as a player, as a keeper, and I, I really want to see him do well for us. Um, but I, I do think he needs to step up. But I do think one thing about Bono is that he should not be posting on Instagram ever again. Oh, that what really a, What a bad me. take that, that was. Yeah. The, the, for those who are not familiar, Bono posted on Instagram not too long ago saying, uh, why do, why do something to the effect of like, why, why do fans bring these banners? Can't they not see the game or something? Like they will, like, that's just such a horrible, horrible take. A, um, a qu- sorry, a question better than any caption I would have here. Do the people that sit behind giant flags ever get annoyed that they can't see the game? Let's just say that, um, the supporter groups were not too happy with Bono's question. And he did um, apologize on his Instagram. He said, just for the record, all I love the flags and the support. It was just a random question. And so I think it was. But then the uh, picture associated with the question was him of the, like, it was a negative one. It was like him shouting or something. Like, it just wasn't a good look. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like there was a lot of annoyance. And I think Bono knows the criticism of him is being said online. I think he's reading all of it. And I think he was annoyed when he posted that. Like, you got to focus on yourself, mate. The the fans are there to lift you up. We can't do that if you're going to criticize us like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, that's, you know, the, the having the supporter section with the flags and with the drums and, you know, like that's the that's the heartbeat of the stadium. That's the heartbeat of the team. Yeah, that's your 12th man. So, I mean, you know, the but more that, flags, I mean, the better. And I'm sorry, but if, if you don't like it, then don't sit there. I, I know that you see that all the time, people saying that. But listen, if if you don't like it, then go sit in one ten. Come sit where I sit. There's no flags. You got go sit in two ten. You can't. Go you sit can't in two ten. Yeah, you want to complain about not seeing the game? Go sit in two ten and see how it is. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, let's going move back, on. Game back on point. Yes. There is just, just. Do you think? Do you think the criticism is getting to Alex Bonner there? I think so. I mean, I feel like not even just a criticism, but his own, you know, I'm, I'm sure as a player, you, you expect, you know, nothing but 
um, you know, quality performances out of yourself. And so, you know, I'm sure that he realizes that he hasn't had great games. You know, I'm sure they go back and watch the tapes and he can see, you know, that he's probably not playing, you know, he, he knows that he can do better. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I'm sure it's getting to him. And, you know, I, I want to see him do well. He's our keeper and, you know, he's one of, he's the first name on the team sheet. And so yeah. I, I want to see him, you know, step up and, and do well. I'm just saying that right now I haven't seen that and, and I am a little bit concerned. And, you know, I, I if, if he does hear this, I hope he knows that, like, you know, we fully support him and we just yeah. want to see him do well for our team. You know, like, yeah, we're, I think, we're I think sometimes him. we forget even as supporters ourselves, we criticize them because we love them, we, because of we course. want them to see to do well. We do often get very wrapped up in the moment when we criticize people. <laughs> uh, some fans do death threats, some uh, hang effigies in the stadium and then burn them. Um, Shout out to Genk, but maybe, uh, maybe he's. I mean, hopefully Pozzuolo is really, really good, and and you know, they're that's how mad they were. They lost him, so that's you know that could be a positive. Maybe for us. okay, but that's a very <laughs> weird way to spin that. But I, I get it. Um, but no, like I just I, I want him to do well because he does have talent. It's just we haven't seen that in so long that it's really, really hard to uh, to to keep keep up hope. Yeah, 20, 2017 feels like a, a very long like a, time a ago. life a lifetime ago. It really um, does. But we're gonna we're gonna finish up here with one last thing here. I just want to know, Chengiz, what are your expectations for this season? Um, Canadian Championship? Are we gonna win it again? Uh, playoffs? They're gonna make a deep run? Are they gonna make it? Uh, I mean, I know it's really early, and you had said beforehand that you you're not sure how you're gonna answer this, but I'm just kind of curious. What what are your expectations this year, and what what well, do you want to see from this team? We we gotta win the Canadian Championship, if anything, just for uh, bragging rights and just cementing our status and keeping our status as the best club in Canada. Um, and there's more teams now added to that competition as well, so it's gonna right. it's it's a bigger pot now, and it's uh. But of those teams, like we should comfortably win it, right? Yeah, we are. We have the buy anyways from from winning it last year, so mm-hmm. we have the buy to the semifinals. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm not too concerned about that. But with regards to league play, it would be unrealistic to expect us to win the the supporter shield. So I would just be I would be very content with the playoffs and then a respectable run, not a deep run. But a respectable run. I want us to put in good performances. I want us to make the quarters at least. Um, and and just, it's a different format this year now. So the the playoffs are played in a different format. Um, so now it's a one-off. Um, it's no longer two legs. Oh, yeah, so that's, that's what, good. What yeah. that means, it's good, but what that means is that, you know, the fighting for home field advantage is so much more important now. Yeah. Because with the two legs, the home field advantage, I mean, it was there, but not so much. Because if you go away... You know, because really the, um, the 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 team that finishes below you gets to play at home first, and so if they spank you at home, you going home. Like I mean, look what happened with Independiente in the Champions right. League. They beat us four nil at yeah. home. Coming it's huge. <laughs> coming it's to huge. Toronto, are having the home field didn't really matter because they had to score five no. goals, and it, it yeah, wasn't exactly. going to happen. No, it is it is going to be very very crucial now, and uh, Toronto FC's mentality as a team will be tested should the uh, playoffs be at an away ground. Um, but this is a rebuild year for sure. Like we lost two huge components of our squad, albeit an mm-hmm. underperforming squad, but still two huge components. Three, if you want to count Van der Weel, because he was definitely a, a, a voice in that dressing room, which has now been revamped. So the goal for any rebuilding team, any any team in a rebuild year, is just to be respectable, to be solid, because that establishes a base from which you can develop 
onwards from. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think last year too was, you know, we were the defending MLS champions. So everybody wanted to take a strip out of us. Mm. The spotlight was on us. They all wanted to see, you know, whether were they going to do it again? And I feel like now the spotlight's not going to be on Toronto as much. It's I'm not saying exactly. And, and I, and I feel like that's going to allow Toronto to focus on their, um, on their football and, and it's going to focus on their, um, just you know, gelling as a team and and on this sort of rebuild, as you put it, uh, and I, I'm really excited to see what happens this season. I mean, it's it's a long season. There's still a long way to go, um, and you know, I, I really want to see what happens uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I think that getting to the middle of May, uh, we're gonna really sort of have an idea of how this team is is gelling together and and how they like I I pres- a point I wanted to make earlier was that of the next five games, four of them are at home. This is a great opportunity to, to gel in, to, to bed in Pozzuolo and to get this team playing the football that we're going to need to play in order to beat Atlanta and Orlando away, which are two of the most difficult away. Not not the most difficult. I think that is reserved for uh, LAFC and, uh, and DC United. But Atlanta and Orlando are not going to be walks in the park. They're going to no. be tough affairs. And we need to be playing solid football football with Putzwello in, in integrated in the team in order to get results out of there. I, I agree. And uh, I mean, even though Orlando's not looked great the last couple of seasons, they have Nanny coming in now and, and uh, they, they do have a, um, a great home record, uh, which is going to make it tough for, um, for Toronto to go down there and, and get some points. So, uh, but I hope that they do. And uh, like we say, man, only time will tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. It should be, it should All be right. fun. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Starting 11 podcast. Remember to subscribe to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Guys, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at XI Podcast. And feel free to send us an email just to say hello. If you have a question, comment, a concern, let us know. Pop on over. We always love to say hi. The Starting XI Podcast at gmail.com. That's the Starting XI Podcast at gmail.com. And on behalf of myself and Chengiz, Thank you very much. Support local football. Oh, doing that for Peter. Yes. Yeah, we we got to do it. (laughs) Peter will be back next week, guys, and we will talk to you soon.